This is Jeannie Cisco Meth, and I just want to let you know what a fabulous day it is yet again. Why? Because I am in control of my atmosphere. I am in control of the decision to make it a beautiful day. Therefore, it is. There's a little tidbit to start off the day for you very quickly. Now, I have had people ask me, Jeannie, what's your story? How did you get into bullyproofing you? How did you become a teacher? What were some of the things that you had to overcome? What's your story? And so today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. And let's start. We're going to time travel. You all ready to time travel? Zoop, 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 clear back to when I was just a little kid. I'm almost 50, so that's quite a time travel there. Thanks for taking the journey with me. All right. So when I was a little kid, we had uh, we had moved about three times. I was born in Twin Falls, Idaho, but I grew up in Morton, Washington on a dairy farm. And there was there was a couple of small things, a couple of moves before the, the farm in Morton. But by the time I was about six, we were living on a dairy farm in Morton. And right before I started school, it became apparent that I had some issues. And my mother had been homeschooling my brother. And so she homeschooled me as well. And when I first started school, they thought I was an absolute genius because I knew all of the um, first grade readers. They would hand me a reader and I'd read right through it. They'd hand me the next one, I'd read right through it. They're like, wow, this is a, an amazing, she's a child prodigy. You know, they're saying all kinds of neat things about me. Well, then they put me into one that I had not read before and I didn't know any of the words. And it took a while, but they found out that I had memorized all of the books from my brother learning how to read. I knew exactly when to turn the pages. I knew exactly what to say. And so it wasn't that I was really smart in their mind. It was that um, I had cheated. And and so I, I was, now all of a sudden I went from being way ahead to being way behind and they had to start all over with teaching me my letters teaching me um, how to read and so it was a very frustrating time not only was I not able to read but I also had a speech impediment I couldn't form my words right I also couldn't see I was legally blind and I remember the day I got glasses I was sitting in the front of the car and we were driving with my brother. I don't remember where we were going, but we were driving um, in Washington and it was a little bit foggy but we started playing a game and it was read the exit signs first or read the highway signs. Whoever could read them first would win and yes, I'm very competitive and so, so we were reading the traffic signs and my brother would read them way ahead of me and I'm like, why? And he kept doing it time and time again. And finally I said, how do you do that? And he said, how do I do what? And I said, how do you read them so quick? And he said, well, I just read the words. And I said, no, how do you see them? How do you see the words on the signs? And my mom said, what, can't you see that? And I said, no, because I couldn't see it until right before we passed. 
And so, and so my mom took me to the optometrist. I was probably in the third grade by now. She took me to the optometrist, and I had, I was legally blind. And I sit down in the chair. I don't know if you've ever been to the optometrist or not. But you sit down in the chair, and they shine a light on the wall. They darken the room, and there's a, a sign clear at the end of this hallway that is lit up. And you have to tell the, the doctor, you know, the symbols or, or you know, what, what you see. And I remember the doctor saying, okay, read the smallest line on the chart. And I said, what chart? All I could see was this kind of fuzzy spot down there, the kind of the white square. And so I remember they, they put the little dials in front of my face, and it's always better one or two, better one or two. And they got my prescription for me. And I remember going in and picking up my glasses and how incredible that was. The world went from just fuzzy shapes to people and cars and trees and airplanes. I'd never seen an airplane in the sky before or birds or, you know, people had faces. And I mean, it was just, it was really incredible. And I remember... Um, you know, between your face and your glasses, there's this little space. And before I got used to my glasses, I would keep trying to step over that space because it, to me, it was, you know, it looked like a step. And, and I asked the doctor about that. And he said, no, that's normal until you get used to that. That's normal. And there was only one period, there's been one period in my life when I haven't had to wear glasses for a very short period of time. And that was when I had LASIK a few years ago. And by the end of that year, I was back in glasses. However, I am no longer legally blind. I can function without my glasses now, which is just incredible. They put me in contacts uh, when I was in high school because my vision was deteriorating so rapidly that um, they thought I would be absolutely totally blind <laughs> um, if it continued to deteriorate and so that's that's a little bit of a story about about being legally blind and wearing glasses and how I became known as four eyes my speech impediment was pretty severe I remember going to speech classes and oh man always after school I had to go and they'd come pull me out of school and and I would have to sit there with these headphones on and try to repeat what they were saying I'm sure speech therapy has come quite a long ways <laughs> since then I'm not sure but when you hear something and you re try to repeat it if there's something mechanically wrong with the muscles and stuff in your mouth just hearing it over and over and trying to repeat it doesn't work very well um, I just remember crying and frustration and I'm trying I'm trying and them getting very upset and me getting very upset obviously it worked because I'm speaking much better now and so obviously it worked or something worked maybe the Lord fixed it I don't know maybe I quit talking I don't remember I just remember going through the classes however I do remember my first glasses my first optometry exam 
Maybe I was a little bit older. I'll have to ask my, my parents and find out the exact timeline. Um, the other thing that I had was, was I grew very rapidly. And so by the eighth grade, I was already six feet tall. And so I stuck out. You know, I was taller. I went to a very small school. And, and I remember being the tallest person in the entire school except for another teacher. I w- that was it. <laughs> and anyone who has gone through a very rapid growth spurt knows you get pretty klutzy. And so I had a speech impediment. I had classes. Um, I, I was klutzy. You know, I grew up on a farm. And I don't, I don't remember necessarily being poor. But I do remember when I went from the farm to a school. I went to a private school. I was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist and I went to a school with my church and there was there was I think about six six to ten of us in the whole entire school and you know we were best friends. We hung out all the time. We did everything. Well then when I went from the eighth grade to ninth grade I went to a much larger school. It was still a private school but I went from from you know personal friends of the family to a school of a few hundred people who didn't even know me and I was the farmer's daughter so wearing you know the overalls and and uh, hand-me-down clothes uh, my mother made a lot of our clothes you know so all of a sudden I went from being at school with a bunch of friends to no longer fitting in and so I was made fun of quite a bit at that time. I remember one incident in particular where it was after school and there was about five or six of us standing around and I had a crush on one of the kids standing there. His name was Eric and I had a crush on Eric and another friend of mine who had been a friend of mine for quite some time brought it up that hey Jeannie has a crush on Eric and I've always been very open, very forward, and I said, yeah, I do. Look at him. He's gorgeous. Who wouldn't have a crush on him? And and so that that became very apparent that I was the nerd. Not the nerd in the smart brainiac kind of a way, but the nerd in the outlier, the person who didn't fit, you know, and, and I, I got teased quite a bit because of that I also had very long legs and I was very tall and I just I just didn't fit and so I got I got teased a great deal and then later on when I I made it I was told in elementary school that I would never make it through high school I just I had too many learning disabilities she's too stupid she'll never make it and at that time it was very painful um you know, I, I, oh my goodness, the struggles. I remember, you know, doing the best I could trying to just make it through school. And my brother, I swear, he never even, I never even saw him do homework and he would get straight A's and I would work my fanny off just to get a C or, or man, once in a while I'd get a B and I was so excited. And so my experience in school was not a good one. Um, in the academic world, spelling, I had dyslexia, so spelling, I'm like, how do you look it up in the dictionary if you can't even sound it out, and I remember when I went, 
and um, you know would try to get to to look up the word it was so frustrating but when they told me that you'll never make it looking back at it now as an adult it was the absolute perfect thing they could say to me because I am so stubborn or tenacious as I like to call it I am so tenacious that it was the perfect thing to say to me because I was like I'm gonna show them I will do it and that's what kept me going and I did I made it through I graduated and I remember choosing to go on to college because of the skills that I had developed the tools that I had developed learning how to teach myself how to learn and I wanted to pass those on to others the other reason I went on to college is because a very important teacher in my life he was my basketball coach and his name was Pat Emerson coach Emerson and he took this gangly uncoordinated um, person that was kind of lost and gave me a path he gave me a mission and that was to be the best possible basketball player I could be because I was needed and I remember him being so excited because I was a six foot tall um, person I was walking down the hall I was a transfer student my junior year I transferred from private education at the Seventh-day Adventist school to public education our local high school which was still pretty small our graduating class was only 25 people but but um, I was walking down the hall and he was so excited he approached me and he was like do you play basketball we, we need you on the basketball team and he immediately welcomed me and I had he was my teacher for health and and his belief in me helped me believe in me and he wanted me on the team and I remember at tryouts um, he was kind of he never showed me uh, but but I did not make first team I made JV team and and I was a starter on the team but only because I was so tall and that year I worked my ass off and then that summer I worked my ass off and I remember um, right before the school year ended he gave me a basketball and he said I don't want you to go anywhere this summer without that basketball in your hand and man I chased that basketball everywhere and and it, I used it so much that the knobs on it were totally worn off it was one of the slipperiest basketballs I've ever had and I had it for a very very long time even as an adult and I would look at that and I would remind myself I can do hard things I can learn new things whatever is difficult today will get easier with practice and and it became it became my go-to thing when I was stressed or I, or I was at a place I'd go down and shoot some hoops because I did it so much and so I went from uh, riding the pine to a starter my senior year and and I remember at the end of my junior year Kim Kinney was our starter and our senior and she was six foot and I remember Susie Partridge saying what are we going to do next year I'll never be able to fill her shoes and Susie Partridge was only five foot ten and I remember going wait a minute what about me I'm six foot I can fill her shoes I can play that position but then I realized I wasn't good enough to play that position I had to get better to be able to play that position and that is what prompted all the summer 
work and and uh, coach Emerson started back at school early he was also the football coach and so he invited me and I told him coach I want to be a starter this year and he's like you got a lot of work to do and I said what do I need to do he said you need to start in the gym as soon as I open it and so I started going to open gym and I started going in in the morning there was a lot of times it was just him and me and I worked my little fanny off and I remember uh, Susie coming in probably about a week before tryouts and coach was like how about you guys play some one-on-one and she beat me by one point but she didn't beat me physically she beat me mentally I beat myself and what I learned from that was was never let your mental game take you out of your physical game because I had the skills I had the training I had the ability to win on that one-on-one position with Susie but I didn't because of my mental memories of the past of her always beating me but it was beautiful that we had that one-on-one game before tryouts because then we went into tryouts and I kicked her ass <laughs> so that's that's um was was beautiful to go from from riding the pine to starting so as I look back now all of the dots connect the words that were said to me needed to be said so that I could find the fire within me to make it happen to make those changes to become the person I am today and so I hope as I look forward I have the faith now the hope and the faith that the dots that are coming towards me will connect just like all the dots in the past have connected because every time someone said something it didn't it seemed painful or hurtful at that moment but I was able to take it and turn it into fuel for change and I look back at at people saying you'll never do this and same thing I used it as the fire and the fuel to keep me going towards my goals it is amazing what has been going on here at bullyproofing you the things that are happening and changing I know I haven't recorded for a few weeks let me tell you why (laughs) Um, I've been picked up by the anti-bullying coalition as a speaker for them I've also been picked up uh, with new peaks they're helping train and work with me so that I can be on their stages they have stages all over the world and um, they're helping me get ready for a world stage, not just a small stage. I've also, um, I'm now working with Joel Roberts, who is one of the top uh, message crafters in the business, I would venture to say in the world. Um, you can check out his website at joelroberts.com. But, but I have so many incredible blessings coming my way and it's all because I've stayed the course I didn't give up and and I just want to say if you are struggling or if you're you're headed towards a goal and maybe someone has said something mean to you or maybe someone that you admire said you can't do this I want you to use it as fuel to get you moving forward even faster use it as fire the fuel for your fire that you can burn inside you and keep moving forward keep pressing towards the mark because your message is needed whatever purpose you've been called to 
is desperately needed in this time and space. And if you shrink back, it will not be fulfilled in the way that you can fulfill it. So you must, you must, you must fulfill your purpose. You see, this world is made up of a fabric, and your thread must be woven into it. Because without your thread, it will not be the same. There will be something desperately missing. And people will look at it. In the future, they'll look back and go, we were missing something. And you'll look back and regret not weaving your tapestry. That is part of the tapestry that we call life, that we call this world, that we call your community. And so please, step forward and fulfill your purpose. I want to thank you so much for joining me again today. I want to thank you for being a part of my community and for listening to my story. As always, please send me your comments, suggestions uh, to genie at geniesiscometh.com. My name is J-E-A-N-I-E-C-I-S-C-O-M-E-T-H. I love to hear from you guys. Also, take a moment and log into iTunes and give me a rating. Let me know how I'm doing on iTunes as well. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you so much for being who you are. Have a fabulous day because you choose to make it fabulous. And bye for now. <laughs>